Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. But we really ask in the grace that our minds, hearts, and souls will be fertile soil to receive your word, that it may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate for us the scriptures, convict and console our hearts. Speak for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. His words of Christ, imagine what were his disciples thinking as he was speaking this. They're thinking to themselves, Lord, like, did you, did you notice how much money the other people put in? Are you aware? Can you count, right? Are you aware how much is there? And then Jesus explains to them, what is he saying, right? They have contributed from their surplus wealth. But she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. They, from their surplus wealth, have given to the, to the Lord. She has given everything that she had. We see the reason the church put that first reading along with this gospel. We have another widow. A widow who has enough for a last meal, enough flour and oil for a last meal of her and her son. And then Elijah shows up and Elijah's like, hey, uh, make me some first. What? You jerk? Are you kidding me? You want the last bit that we have? But both of these women who, who had nothing else made an act of total entrustment of themselves to the Lord. It's not really just about like the physical things that they gave, but it's an act of complete entrustment to God. How did they do this? How did this happen? Like they just kind of, that day thought, you know, like, I'm just going to, like, trust this random guy who shows up. Or, you know, today I'm just going to take my two coins and stick them in. They were at that place because they had a living relationship with the Lord. They've been walking with the Lord in prayer. They had been worshiping the Lord. They've been part of a worshiping community. And, and then in this particular moment... Right, this first widow, and not of her own accord, and in regards, like, this is all that we have, and as a widow, not being able to provide for herself, and Elijah shows up, and she says, okay. Like, it would have been, a logical thing would have been, like, no. But because she was a woman of faith, because she'd been walking with the Lord, she said, okay. And in that, received the Lord's provision for her and her son. And then we have this, this widow, two small coins, not able to provide for herself. And she goes to the treasury and she puts it all in. Why? Because of a lived 
relationship with the Lord. She can entrust her whole life to him. Now, it doesn't mean that they didn't wrestle through their life to get to that point, or they weren't wrestling in that moment. The woman went to two coins. I can imagine, like, on the, on the walk there is going, man, I really don't know what was going on in her mind. Maybe she was completely at peace. Maybe she was thinking, I, like, am I really going to put this in? Am I really, really going to trust him again with all of it? Whatever the wrestling that was going on, well, there or not, we don't ultimately know, but it's just total surrender. All for the Lord. And the amazing thing is, is that it might seem like these two women at this particular time as widows would be pretty insignificant on, on a social sphere, right? They weren't uh, in the, on the blogs Back in ancient Israel, they weren't talking about these ladies. But here we are. Here we are, thousands of years later, being inspired by their lives. Here they are, written in sacred scripture as witnesses, as people who have given everything to the Lord and now they encourage us and now they challenge us. Now they inspire us. Maybe you think to yourself like, I mean, what can I really offer? What can I really offer? I don't have much. What is the Lord gonna do with that? these women did not have much and the Lord is still using what they gave on, an, on a level that we can't imagine their lives right witnessing to us as the living word of God and here and now the Lord has a plan for your life a desire for your life and we want to calculate it Oh, well, you know, I'm going to do this, and I can give Lord this much, or I can do here or there. When we're calculating, we're relying on ourselves. And it doesn't mean that we don't use our brain, and we don't, re- like God gave us an intellect to understand things. And yes, planning is good and planning is important and we need to look ahead. We need to understand that. But it it has to be done in order to, to bear the most fruit, that peace in our life, to make an impact for the kingdom of God and the salvation of souls in light of complete entrustment to the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm setting forth on this path and I'm doing these things and I have this plan, but like, ultimately it's all yours. The first widow had a plan. And then Elijah showed up and said, hey, let's change the plan. Okay. Because I trust the Lord. We can't do that if we're not in a continual relationship with him. We cannot respond to the unique call. Here's the truth. We all have a vocation like this and there, there are multiple layers to it. The base vocation of every baptized person is 
the, the vocation and the call to holiness and sanctity. Every single person. And this call, how is it lived out? Through a relationship with Christ rooted in the sacramental life of the church, seeking to love God with everything that we have and our neighbor as ourself, like the fundamental call that we all need to live. And then there's a state in life vocation in which we, we make these definitive gifts of self, right? Mine's the priesthood. Most people who, who live in a state in life vocation are married. You have the religious life this definitive gift of self in this particular way, but enmeshed both in the universal call to holiness and in the state of life vocation is my personal vocation. The vocation that God has created uniquely for me. Why? Because I am a unique, unrepeatable person. There's never been a person like me. There will never be another. Praise the Lord for that, right? But every single one of you, no one has ever been like you. And no one ever will. And that is not by happenstance or chance. It is by God's providence and his willing it. And so in this, all of us call to love the Lord and to love our brothers and sisters and whatever particular state in life vocation we're called to, there's a unique personal vocation that God has made from your unique gifts from the supernatural charisms that we have received at baptism, from the desires that he's laid on our hearts. That means something. The things in the world that tug at you. Now, all of that needs to be purified by God's grace. All of that needs to be moved, right, in communion with the moral vision of Christ and his church. But it points us towards God's plan, his unique plan for us. Maybe to you it seems insignificant, but it is not. It is something that the Lord is weaving in our life in the whole history of salvation. That's ultimately what this is about. Eternal salvation and the building of the kingdom of God. So these women today, again, who maybe seemed insignificant, continue to play an incredible role in manifesting God's kingdom here and now. And maybe you think your life is insignificant. But the Lord has used you, is using you, and wants to use you more. So the movement is to respond. To enter into a deeper relationship with him. To grow, like pray every day with the scriptures because we can't trust him if we don't know him. Enter in more deeply into praying in front of the blessed sacrament in our adoration chapel of coming to the Holy Eucharist often of receiving the sacrament of reconciliation, knowing him. And then step by step responding, putting in our two coins this day and then the next. The Lord doesn't want our surplus. Because then we remain completely in control. It's like lip service when we give him our surplus. He wants us to trust him with everything. All of it. So today, as you come forward to receive the blessed sacrament and the most holy Eucharist, God who is God from God, light from light, true God, true God, Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, what we receive is him. 
And so tell him, I want you to tell me, I want you to pray this prayer. Even if you, you're like, it scares you. Jesus, I give myself back to you. And I give you permission to do with me whatever you want to do. Or I give myself back to you. And I give you permission to do whatever you want to do. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. For they all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. 